Welcome back to Tundra Talk, everybody. I'm Tyler Friel, and uh, spending the weekend down south on the worst side of the Alaska Range. <laughs> and uh, anyway, uh, me, Mr. Nick Mook, you came down here to shoot a uh, shoot a 3D shoot, and uh, it was a pretty cool shoot, actually. Fun time. The Roy Roy Tough, basically Roy Roth Memorial shoot. Um, and uh, yeah, it was a good time. But we're sitting here in the hangar of uh, of Mr. Jonah Stewart. So thanks for putting up with us <laughs> anytime yeah anyway um man i don't know where to even where to even start with this one i guess uh jonah's first time on um you got a pretty cool interesting story like what the you said do you, do you remember you saying you've been here pretty much your whole life did were you born up here or did you did you guys move up here when you were little uh we moved to alaska when i was six years old um my dad came up here in the 70s and always wanted to come back so we pretty much he picked up everything and moved our family up here when i was six so cool so yeah you pretty much don't know anything else yep, yep. <laughs> alaska's home yeah and uh so man like i don't know tell me how uh when did you i don't know there's like five different questions <laughs> i want to know the answer to like when did you a start like when did you start like getting interested in flying and guiding and all that how'd that come about because your dad's primarily a builder right yep my dad's a builder um i knew from the time i was just a little kid that all i wanted to do was hunt yeah and, <laughs> i mean a real little kid like three years old four years old and uh when we moved to alaska we met some people that were very avid hunters up here and some very kind of prolific bow hunters, Bob Amin, Pat McCollum. Um, and I was just a little kid, you know, hearing all their stories. And you know, and we met some other people and they were outfitters and pilots. And um, I remember my dad building hangars for, you know, some guys a long time ago and seeing their, looking through their photo albums and seeing their super cubs. And I just kind of knew that's... Had to have one, huh? What I wanted. Um, I knew I wanted to be a... When did you buy, when did you get your first plane? Bought the Super Cub that I mainly fly now when I was, was either 24 or 25. Yeah. Um, Let's, I've heard the story before, but I think you should, I think it's good. It's worth telling. Yeah. Yeah. So I started guiding when I was 20, got my registered guides license. Got married, got my pilot's license all in about six months, <laughs> and uh, started a business, just kind of went for it all, all yeah. at the same time, and newly married, I knew that step one, I had to buy a Super Cup, no matter, I didn't have any money, yeah. but I, had, I knew I had to have a Super Cup, uh, so my wife was working at the bank, and I was trying to figure things out, and I found this old kind of beat up Super Cub down in Soldatna and went down there and I had uh, a little bit of cash, not much, (laughs) (laughs) and went down there and went flying with the old guy that had had it for the last 30 years and I made him an offer and handed him a wad of cash and said I'd figure out how to get the rest of the money by Monday. Yeah. And he says, well, you know you're not getting this back, right? And I said, yep. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I called my wife and said, hey, honey, we, 
we just bought a Super Cup. <laughs> she says, aren't we supposed to talk about this? I said, we are. <laughs> and uh, that's pretty much been uphill from there. Yeah, it's uh, a lot of guys I know that are like that. It's like you know, from a very young age, just know if they know one thing, it's they they just have to fly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I knew right away that in my mind, the guys that really knew Alaska and knew all the adventures and everything that was up here, most of them were guides and mm -hmm. most of them were outfitters and they all flew super cubs. So I knew that for me from day one, you know, just a little kid, eight, nine years old, that that's what I wanted because that was like the window to of Alaska yeah is a super cub oh yeah in, in my mind i'd say hunters see more of alaska than pretty much everybody else oh yeah for yeah. sure i mean there's a lot of other hobbies that get you outdoors but i don't think you know there's many out there that get you is is you know in as remote of places for as long uh you wouldn't go there most of the time unless you were hunting yeah so. i mean i don't know frankly there's i don't know why you would even want why anyone is even here you ever see you know, run into people that you know that you're like, what are you doing here? Like, if you don't <laughs> like doing this kind of stuff, like, there's a lot better places to live. Yeah. As far as, you know, sure. if, if you're not, if you're, if you are into that stuff, there's not a lot of better places to live, but, uh, yeah, that's pretty nuts. So you, so you started guiding about that same time too. Was that when you started assistant guiding or? Did no, you that your... was when I started my business. Oh, gotcha. Um, I had, I went to college for a couple of years and. That wasn't wasn't my thing. Um, I knew I wanted to be a guide, so I yeah. didn't really know why I was going to college anyways. Um, and I just dropped it one day and started, made some phone calls, got an assistant guide job in Alaska, and then uh, figured, well, season's kind of short there, so called around. And then next thing you know, I was guiding in New Mexico and Arizona and Colorado. Hmm. Kansas, Oklahoma, anywhere you could get anywhere work. I could get a job. I was, I was guiding, um, and when I wasn't guiding, I was hunting, hunting half a dozen states a year, <laughs> driving around a little old Toyota Tacoma from state to state. Yep. <laughs> How long did it take you to get your uh, pilot's license? Thirty days. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty awesome. A lot of people it takes them, you know. Yeah, 30 months. Start to finish from my first flight to my check ride was 30 days. Yeah. But, but That's a lot like, of flying in that time period. Yeah, I knew what needed to be done and, <laughs> and got after it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I imagine you pro probably quite a few people, I mean, and I didn't really do quite the introduction with this. You own, it's your, your outfitting businesses, Jonah's. Alaskan Outfitters. Alaskan Outfitters. And uh, I don't know, probably people are probably surprised how young you are with like the the scope of operation you have and like the quality of, of hunts you're doing and stuff like that. Would that, <laughs> I mean, I I don't know. It seems it's, a lot of the guys. It's a little unexpected that like a lot of guys that are very well established or as well established as you are like getting up there pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Um. There's a few other young guys out there that are getting after it too, but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess the impression I get, you just don't stop. 
No. <laughs> well, we were talking because we just loaded a trailer. We're getting ready, getting ready for sheep season, and loaded a trailer or helped you load your trailer. And like people don't realize all the work that goes into what makes you know that ten day hunt for people. I mean, yep. months and months of behind the scenes stuff and logistics and yeah. What did you figure? Twelve twelve hundred meals that you need to plan for. Just for sheep and moose yeah, well, or something like that? Two months that were gone, and between my family and guides, um, yeah, we got about a dozen of us that are there full-time, you know, three meals a day Yep, for 60 days for a dozen people's <laughs> a lot. A lot. <laughs> and then basically double that for 100 days. Yep. And... Uh, I think a lot yeah, it's of thousands. Uh, it's, I don't remember the exact number, but it's thousands and thousands of meals. A lot of people that do guided hunts and and come up and hunt with you, they don't get to see any of the behind the scenes stuff. They fly into either here to for your brown bear hunts or up north, you know, for yeah. sheep, and they don't see all the hours and hours and hours that you've spent doing everything just so they could come up for their ten days or whatever it is. They see the end result. They don't see, yeah. you know, they and when. People talk about how expensive a guided hunt is. Really, uh, it's about right. You know, even even the higher end sheep hunts. I mean, here in Alaska, anyhow. Yeah, you start seeing. I mean, you start seeing just the vol. Not only the volume of stuff, but the time it takes to get it. The fuel. The you know, however many trips you got to run back and forth to get. Yeah, camp and it's, stocked it's like and it's, set up. You're not hunting down the road either. You know, you got a 15 hour ride or whatever if you're taking it easy. And plus your planes, the whole shit. Yeah, it's <laughs> the it, easy parts when you're out there. Once you're hunting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All the months of prep work is. Just the transportation to get the stuff up there, you would never be able to do it in one trip. No. Uh, so. Yeah, uh, anybody listening thinks it's easy or thinks it's too expensive. Uh, or think I mean, the guides are just pulling one over on you. You know, mo- I mean, any, you know. That may happen, but uh, the people that are doing it themselves and it's their own business and it's their livelihood and their reputation's on the line, you know, they got to put out a good product. And you do, you do, you know that though. <laughs> <laughs> Try to. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it blows my mind. You get anxious, antsy for like, hunting seasons coming up or is it just so it's such a whirlwind no of, um hunting season's pretty much year round so yeah that's true <laughs> no <laughs> i like you um no i i mean my entire adult life all i've done is go from hunting camp to hunting camp so planning and prepping and all that's it's just part just life second nature for me um, yeah, it makes me feel like kind of a slob because <laughs> all I got to do is worry about my shit for my hunt. And a lot, you know, a lot of us, you know, we have a day job that's for the most part kind of boring, you know, or whatever. And then you you just think about the next hunt and you start planning a couple months out, whatever. And but you're doing it nonstop, pretty much. Yeah, and there's, yeah. there's not many not many guys out there that are. Well, and just the sorry. effort it takes, man. Like maintaining airplanes and you know all just tons of gear you all you pretty probably have to be thinking several steps ahead all the time oh yeah yeah you gotta have everything you need and then almost double (laughs) that and every part you think you could possibly need for a truck a trailer an airplane 
you got to have extras and and yeah, it's just it all adds part up. of it. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, yeah. just nuts. And I guess another thing, I don't want to puff you up too much. You already beat Nick this morning at the <laughs> 3D shoot. Nick, Nick picked up the wheelie bow again, and um, yeah, you. I don't know how to describe you as far as bow hunting. I mean, you've been pretty much bow hunting your whole life, but I don't know what the ninja or like <laughs> this. He's a dude that be. I mean, you know, all like the guiding and stuff aside, yeah. he's just one of the very those very few people that you, seems like you just like at least from what you see, every thing you go after you kill and it's always big <laughs> and i know like it's not that simple like no. there's a lot that goes into that like you know and, guys and it, that always kill big shit are picky and persistent and all that but well um, and a lot of guys that kill big shit are only killing maybe one or two animals a year too and yeah. jonah's killing six eight ten what what your best year what probably ten pope and young animals in one year maybe more I, I mean, don't, I don't know off the yeah. top of my head. It's probably right about there, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Might be closer to an average. Yeah. Than, <laughs> than an average. Well, when, uh, when I first saw, uh, what, my first year here, I um, went to an ABA banquet down in Anchorage, and I sat at a table with Roy. Mm-hmm. And all he, the whole time, all he did was talk about Jonah. He's like, oh, you, you need to meet Jonah. You need to meet Jonah. You know, there's you know, pretty much your name came up a, bu- a, a bunch, and I didn't meet you that year. It wasn't until I think the next year, or whatever, we went muskox hunting, and I met you, and spending a week with you out there, or however long we spent, and picking your brain and asking questions and stuff, of just like this guy's, you know, he's dialed in. But I, you know, I didn't know you very well, but I do now, and yeah, it's you're the real deal. <laughs> you appreciate really, that. You are. Yeah, you know? and uh, there's there's a lot that goes into that. I don't necessarily show people if I'm unsuccessful on a hunt. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> right. <laughs> You don't get to see the oh yeah <laughs> the twenty five days. days I spent chasing mule deer in Idaho and never Nothing. drew my bow and the right. yeah well I mean that and that's definitely part of it but I mean it's like there's definitely when you're consistently you know nobody's gonna get what they're after every time yeah. but compared to compared to most compared to <laughs> most people what you see it's like you know it's just mind blowing it's it's super impressive appreciate but that. something to put. I don't know, into perspective. I want to hear, like, I hadn't heard this story till yesterday. That, so, I, I mean, we could name names. It's not, like, embarrassing or anything. Well, Harold's but, been on podcasts yeah, and stuff. Yeah, well, Harold Farenbrook, who, yep. who works for Jonah, and he's, like, been on Aaron's podcast and quite a few times. Was this, like, the first year he was working for you or something like that? I think it you, was. You just you yeah. got just tell the story because it's freaking <laughs> hilarious. Oh, so Harold is a traditional bow hunter and good friend of mine, and um, I, I think it was the first year he was up here um, working with me, and we decided to go caribou hunting just off the hall road. Didn't have any hunters, and we uh, drove up there kind of on a whim and. We were bannering back and forth, being smart asses, and he's he's a traditional guy. I'm shooting a compound, so I, I told him, I said, "Well, you you can shoot the close ones, and I'll I'll just take care of the rest." <laughs> he said, yeah, whatever. So we we head up there, and it was a just a good day. A lot of caribou around, and in a in a good place, 
to stalk them. So we see the first group of bulls and we go running out there across the tundra and and trying to cut them off. And I'm right in front of Harold um, and we're running, trying to catch these bulls. And all of a sudden we see the tops of their antlers. Well, because you, like, you were saying, Harold didn't realize, or at the time, like those caribou, when they're just feeding, they're moving. Yeah, like, they feed at five to six miles an hour on, on average, yeah. and you got to run. You got to <laughs> get in front of them. Yeah, if they're standing, feeding anything, you can't be moving slower. Yeah. You're, you're just never going <laughs> to catch them. So we get in a little cut, and we are running, and he's kind of walking, and I'm like, no, we got to run. <laughs> And so we, anyhow, we take off running, we cut these bulls off, and we just see the tops of their horns of the first bull coming over. And I drop down, draw my bow, and Harold gives me this dirty look because the bull's close, like 10 yards, 15 yards. And I looked at him, like, give him the green light. Yeah, like, yeah, like <laughs> shoot. I'm not going to shoot up from under you. I'm just backing you up yeah. in case you miss. And he draws back, and big, beautiful bull. He makes perfect shot, and it runs and tips over. And I let down and peek up over, and there's another bull out there. So I shoot and hammer that one, and then <laughs> arrange another one. Draw back, shoot, hammer that one. And we're kind of high-fiving, laughing. Um, go out there. We're taking some pictures. And I look back across the, the river there, and... There's a giant bull up on the hill. I said, I, you know, it was. I want to say it was the first year that it went from one caribou to five, um, or maybe it went from two to five. Yeah, you could, five. you could kill five of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I take off. No backpack. No. Didn't have a knife. Didn't have a water bottle. Nothing. And I head off and get to the creek and I'm not a super tall guy <laughs> but uh, uh, I stripped down and got my clothes over my head and I can barely keep my lips out of the water <laughs> head tilted back trying to cross this river bow clothes above my head I get across and I'm crawling up the hill and there's another pretty nice bull that's in front of me um, and I try to crawl past him because I wanted to shoot there was actually two big bulls up on the hill, but one was giant. And so I crawl around him, and he feeds in front of me again. So I crawl around him again. How many arrows do you have? I had a, <laughs> had a five arrow quiver, but one was a blunt. So I'd already shot two. Um, so this bull feeds in front of me the third or fourth time, and I don't want to bump him because I don't want to. Yep spook him into the other caribou so i thought all right i'm gonna shoot him so i shoot him at about 15 yards <laughs> and he, and he, it's a big bull you know it's a big pope young bull and it rolls down the hill past me so i crawl past him and i crawl in to where the other two bulls are at and they're bedded and uh i'm just waiting for him to yep. stand up and i look up on the hill and there's a band of rams up there <laughs> and I, and I only got one arrow. I have one arrow that just shot through that last bull. Yeah. Um, a blunt and one good arrow. Good arrow. So I put the good arrow back in the quiver. <laughs> I think I better save that for a sheep just because it's a pretty good day already. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'm sitting there 
50 yards from these other two big bulls bedded there and i'm spin testing my other arrow and making sure it's sharp and it's well no this is because and i'm not going to give you shit for shooting (laughs) expandable but this is like a critical part of the story okay so i was shooting a rage expandable broadhead and i used a piece of grass because that was when they had (laughs) o-rings on them i used a piece of grass and tied the blades back together with a piece of grass (laughs) spun test it yeah it spun perfect i'm like all right that the big bull stands up and i shoot right through both lungs he takes about three steps and tips over dead and the other giant bull just stands there and i'm like nope i'm i'm not shooting him i'm going sheep hunting so i take off spook him out there head up the mountain with one arrow left get right on the rams and hunted the whole mountain there and just never found a legal ram so it's dark now and we had started at probably eight o'clock in the morning and it's now oh, i don't know it's 11 o'clock at night i'm four and a half miles from the truck across the river still got a whole trail of dead caribou that i no flashlight nothing so i'm going back and i gutted the two caribou that i had just recent most recently shot Got with it, your got broadhead, with, with right? With my broadhead. <laughs> An expandable, nonetheless. Yeah. <laughs> um, went down, stripped down, crossed, <clears throat> crossed the creek, make it back to the truck, and Harold is standing outside the truck. And he is mad. I had the keys in my pocket the whole time. <laughs> and uh, we get in the truck, and he, he doesn't say much, and... Then he looks at me and says, I gave away one of your caribou. <laughs> <laughs> the, the whole thing. <laughs> and we kind of kind of laughed, but I didn't want to say too much because he was pretty mad. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we're driving back to the south side of the Brooks Range where I had my camp, and it's an hour and a half drive. And we get about an hour in, and he finally looks over at me and says, so what happened? <laughs> I said, I got two more. <laughs> you mother effer. I'm not helping you. <laughs> oh, man. So, Great first day. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. So Harold's a good guy, though, and I'm oh, sure yeah. that, that, that yeah. just solidified his opinion about you right off the bat. Like, are you yeah. mean business? That was their first day we ever hunted together. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yeah, and you took uh, care of the far ones. Yeah. He, he he wouldn't uh, he wouldn't still be working for you if he he was that mad about it. So no, no, <laughs> that's great. He'd done the same thing if he'd had more tags. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's nuts, man. But with uh, with sheep hunting coming up, especially me trying to trying to kill one with my recurve this year. How many sheep have you killed with your bow so far? Six, six, and a lot of these are like. Well, I mean, your basically your time to sheep hunt is like two, three, four days. Sometimes at the end of the season, after all the, after all your hunters are, are have gone home. Yeah, and I don't know. Seems like you've pretty got it pretty dialed in as far as killing them with a bow. That's something I really have. Want. I mean, obviously we've been talking about it here and there, but um, just picking your brain. It's like I don't know, never having gone that route or gone that far because it's a whole different world beyond rifle hunting them it's like how the hell do you do (laughs) do you do that you know so when you spend 
you know, a lot of guys will spend their whole, you know, quote unquote, sheep hunting careers and never want to get closer than 200 yards. I mean, that's a whole different world. Yeah, it is. Um, oh, yeah. You can always find a way to get get close to them if you just try. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't have the option of shooting them at 200 yards, you'll figure out how to get closer to them, but... Yeah, or or you won't kill them, I guess. Yeah, I mean, much, yeah. what you were telling me is like, yeah, it might take you several years if you just sit there and look at them. I mean, you, it seems like you're pretty pretty aggressive with them typically. I'm aggressive with everything, I but think, yeah. I, I think some people mistake that with being stupid, and they're two very different things. Um, I'm going to try to get as close as I can every time on everything. I'm not going to sit there and watch them, but I'm not going to blow them out either. I'm not yeah. going to, I mean, if I can't, if I start at the top of a mountain and I try to get down on a ram that's 400 yards below me and I make it halfway there and can't get closer, I'm out of cover, I'm going back to the top. And that might be belly crawling. It might be whatever. Yeah. I mean, I might make 30 little stalks, but I'm trying to get there and I'm paying attention to what the sheep are doing and what I think they're gonna gonna do, do. and yeah, well, and that's and that's something too. I mean, you were talking earlier about uh about paying attention to like where that lead ram's looking when they're in their like midday midday nap, like bedded yeah. after their morning feed, and I don't know. I mean, looking back, I, I guess you don't really notice what you don't need to notice. But uh, looking back, it's like, yeah, well, they're pretty much those those lead rams, they end up going where they're, yeah. you know, when they make their last, like, they'll get up a time or two, but they generally end up heading the direction they're facing. And, uh, you know, so I don't know, what's your theory on, just repeat your theory on that, like. Yeah, yeah it's kind of been my experience, Um Typically midday, you know, the rams will feed in the morning and get up and kind of scatter out and bed down. And they'll get up once or twice and move around a little bit. And the last time that big ram, the lead ram in the group, mm-hmm. beds, he's going to bed facing the direction he wants to go. And as long as he doesn't see anything, that you know, spooks him or, sp- yeah, uh, see anything alarming in that direction, that's where that whole group of sheep is going to feed when they get up. Yeah. Uh, most rams I have killed with a bow have been within 20 minutes of of when they first stand up because they just lay there for three hours. Everybody's looking in a different direction. Big ram's looking where they want to go. He's the leader of the group. They get up and start feeding. For a little while, they feel like everything is safe. Um and that's kind of been my experience on the best time to... Do you wear whites ever? I always carry them, but I've, I've never killed a sheep in whites. Yeah. Well, I mean, that seems like kind of a, a critical deal, like no one... And, I've, you know, after you mentioned that, I've noticed several times where, yeah, like they just don't seem to be paying as close attention in that. So, I mean, that seems like you said, would you say you've killed most years in that little time period after they get up from there yeah because i don't know like 
the day in the life of a sheep, they'll, it seems like they're always up real, you know, real early in the morning feeding, mm-hmm. depending on where you're at. I mean, some like these mountains down here, they have a much more cyclical yeah. like feeding pattern where they come down to feed and then go up to bed. I know, I know at least what I've hunted in the brooks and some other places, it's not always like that. Like they just, yeah. they can really go anywhere. So, um, what was I trying to say? But they, but you know, they'll be feeding in the morning, then have like a nice long bedding session. And it's after that, like midday yep. bed, that they're pretty vulnerable or they're not paying attention. Yeah, and the other thing is that thermals are usually good in the afternoon. Uh, yeah, midday afternoon, the morning. It's pretty tough for a bow hunter because the wind is going to change. Right. I mean, I would say I don't know with a bow hunting about. It's probably almost a non-starter to hunt from below. Like you're, you're pretty much always wanting to get come down from above them. If if that's, yeah, I mean that's obviously always the best option, but but not always. Not always. <laughs> I mean, there's yeah. Well, how how many of you killed from above, and how many? I killed all of them. From all above. from above. <laughs> <laughs> that answers that question. Yeah. But yeah, what the heck else? How many I mean, sheep you, would you say that uh, you've guided successful sheep hunters? If you were to throw a number on it, um, uh, in, not all that many in the last ten years, because I I don't actually guide that many hunters uh, anymore personally. Yeah, um, good, good point. But, um, how many would not, you say you're responsible for? Like, quite a few yeah exactly <laughs> lots um you, you do very well so you, do, you certainly know sheep there's no doubt about it you, and you take bow hunters usually typically what every every year at least one yeah we take one or two bow hunters a year um bow hunting sheep's tough and a big part of it is um guys are spending a lot of money mm-hmm. so there's a lot of pressure um We've, I've found that a lot of people don't shoot near as well under those circumstances, yeah. pressures. And, and a lot of the guys that can afford to go on a sheep hunt are, you know, not necessarily in their prime anymore. Right. Um, so that makes it challenging as a guide. Uh, whereas a, a rifle hunter, I mean... No, almost 10 times out of 10, but for sure nine times out of 10, you know, once you find a good ram, you're going to climb the mountain one time. Yeah. And you're going to kill him, and everybody's going to be happy. And uh, yeah. when you're bow hunting <clears throat> sheep, you're... You might do that 100 times. <laughs> you're going to climb the mountain a bunch. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's, I mean, that's kind of nice because there's, I mean, there's, I don't know about a lot, but I know, you know, some outfitters up here won't even entertain bow hunters just because you know a because it is more work and you're more likely to you know it ends up costing more money and time you know in the field because a lot a lot of guys are going to hunt the whole 10 days if they choose to and not ever not ever get one and it you know and it doesn't necessarily look good on your averages but yeah you know i mean i don't know as long as the guy's being honest to people about like the the realities of how how difficult it's going to be 
What, what do you tell a bow hunter when he calls and asks to book a hunt? I mean, do you do you have the typical conversation with them, or do you? Oh yeah, um, I usually tell them it's going to be the hardest thing they've ever done in their life, and it doesn't necessarily have to be, but that's it's going to be what I close, tell them. Yeah. And you know, <laughs> mentally, you need to be. I mean, I, I say I've I've had a lot of one one day sheep hunts. Some of those days are. 48 49 hours i mean you're talking one sleep <laughs> yeah, you're talking yeah exactly laying on the mountain exactly at night not in a sleeping bag um, which that reminds me that um was a, ram, a ram you killed a couple of years back that didn't you say you spent like 48 hours within 200 yards of that sheep yeah what it did and it rained and snowed and I, well, what, I'm you, I'm an optimist, so a lot of the time I don't take a camp because I think I'm going to get one in the first day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's costs. Well, what pretty, the heck happened pretty, with with that one? It uh, I'm trying to think. That was a half a dozen years ago. Was it? It was, uh, it was the double broomer, right? Uh, that heavy double broomer no. a few years. It wasn't him. No. Um, he's killed enough of them with his bow that he's got to. Yeah, <laughs> that one was one ram, and he was living with about forty using lambs. Um, nice, big. I think he was nine years old, if I yeah. remember right. Um, in a pretty good spot, other than a lot of eyes. <laughs> and I, I got up there on him. I left my camp at the bottom of the mountain because it's only a two-hour hike to where the where he was living. And I'd run up there in the morning and basically was on him all day, you know, within three, 400 yards all day long. And I probably, I'm in my, I wear plastic boots and I carry a heavy wool sock. So I take my outer shell of my boots off, pull that wool sock over it, stick some jerky in my pocket and drop, <laughs> ditch my pack and, yeah, Basically so you're hunt getting with my bow in my padded socks, and you know, so I'm on this ram for ten, twelve hours that day. I mean, I must have made a hundred stocks just <laughs> trying to. But there were so many sheep, and they'd get up and feed and use and lambs everywhere, and never busted anything. You know, spent more time backing out and crawling backwards than anything. And finally, right before dark, I they get into the cliffs underneath me, and he's at. 90 yards when it gets dark <laughs> well I mean and he's basically in my route for getting off the mountain so it was the first or second I think it was my wife's birthday September 1st okay <laughs> <laughs> that's what I remember right um, so I'm laying there thinking well do you risk bumping him trying to get out of here to sleep in a sleeping bag or do you just man up and <laughs> wait till morning so I just laid down thought ah this it won't be too bad and then it starts raining a little and then it's sleeting next thing you know it's snowing <laughs> I'm just laying there in my rain gear and soaking wet and longest night of, not the longest but it was a pretty long night yeah but, you know just waiting for it to get light and I get up in the morning and he's gone and uh, so I spent all morning hunting trying to find him because I figured he's got to be there 
somewhere and about two o'clock in the afternoon I finally find him bedded out on a point he'd ditched the using lambs and went out by himself and that's why I couldn't find him I was thinking he was still with the using lambs so I had wasted the whole day basically looking for him trying to find him mixed in with them so finally once I found him you know he's Mm -hmm. bedded out on a little point and a pretty good spot and I slipped down into I don't remember 50 yards maybe and nice made a good shot on him but yeah, yeah it was from the time I left to the time I got back started hiking to got back to the plane it was I don't remember 49 or 51 hours or something <laughs> no no mountain house had some candy bars some jerky and no sleeping bag Jeez. I still consider it a one day sheep <laughs> yeah ba- oh, that's rough you know it's pretty bad <laughs> Pretty bad. Oh, it wasn't the longest night of my life, but it was pretty long. <laughs> yeah, that's nuts. I mean, little things like that, like crawling. I mean, you well, if you hunt plastic boots, you probably unless if it's unless it's just grassy, you probably got to take them off. I killed one actually with the plastic boots on, just yeah, because I didn't have time to take him off, and he, he was kind of on a mission and I run down and cut him off but um, most of the time I'd take him off yeah do you find it's like something you can I don't know it's a tricky thing to, to ask but like if you can sometimes get him and it depends on what you think you can get away with but do you feel like you can get away with more than what you think you might be able to sometimes because I, I you know their reputation and the way they seems like sometimes that they just pick up anything instantly, you know, like they kind of got like a radar, but that's a good question. You know what I mean? Cause if you, if you understand what I'm so, getting at, yeah. I may not be asking that quite. No, I think I know exactly what you're saying. Like most people think of sheep, you know, boning sheep, you, you, you can't make any mistakes because any, you know, whatever it is, which you can't, but do you feel like after you've done it enough times, you you feel like we we maybe give them too much credit, and you can you can do a little bit more than what you typically think? Like yes and no. Um, I mean, some sheep will see you walking in the valley three quarters of a mile away, and just leave. they're running. Yeah. Um, but it, I, I think depends a lot on if they feel threatened by mm-hmm. what they're seeing. So a guy walking. They feel pretty threatened, yeah, by that, especially in an area if they're seeing people in there. Um, if you're belly crawling and barely moving, Might not. you can get pretty close. And if they don't smell you or you don't do much of a any 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 sudden movements <laughs> movements, that I mean they'll so they do have a sense of curiosity about them, but. Um, yeah, well, I mean that that ram we when me and Frank got too close to our rams a couple of years ago, or his the one the group that was his was in. I mean, we were probably under fifty yards from the whole bunch and just popped up over, and that one of the little ones saw us and just froze for an hour. And I mean, he kept kept coming back and forth up to like twenty yards from us, and they do the fake feet, you know, the fake put my head down and feed and then pop back up to see if you've moved and yeah. and stuff like that. But, uh, 
yeah, I guess it's just one of those things for me, like never having tried it. It's like, sure. it seems impossible sometimes, but obviously it's not. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> nothing's impossible. Well, we're going to find out. <laughs> Jeez. No, I'm looking forward to it. it uh, I think the conversation we had last night, you know, all the four of us with John and stuff, you know, gave us a lot of t- little tips, you know, on what what to do, what not to do. And, man, I mean, listening to people like that that have done it before and talk about it, it helps, it helps a lot. And I know we you can't rehash everything that we talked about last night. It'd be impossible, but uh, certainly appreciated. Yeah, absolutely. I think the biggest mistake that most bow hunters make hunting sheep is watching them, spending, wasting yeah. most of their hunt, watching, waiting for a ram to get into a perfect spot. Because by the time you watch him and wait for him to get in the perfect spot, by the time you get there, he's not in that perfect spot anymore. You need to be. Yeah. I mean, a lot it makes sense because a lot of times it take most of a day to get into rifle range. Yep. I also believe it probably, it's it's like a lot of other things, you know, like especially when it comes to bow hunting, you think it's going to be super difficult and then you do it once. And then before you know it, you did, second time was a little bit easier. By the time you do it three or four or five or six or seven times or whatever, you know, it, it, it just, you know, you can do it. So you're, you're willing to, uh, I guess, go the extra mile to make it happen as opposed to, like like you're saying, a lot of sheep hunters sit back and watch and watch and watch. Rifle hunters do it, you know? Yeah. You know, let's wait for this or let's just see what they're doing or whatever. But you're wasting valuable time that you could be, you know, making a plan to get on him where he's at right now as opposed to just, like, the opportunity could, could go away, you know, and he could leave. He could do a million different things could happen. Yeah, and... He, there's always more cover than what you see. No matter where you're hunting, what you're hunting, there's always more than what you see. Folds and um, everything. And, I mean, when they start moving and feeding, maybe that perfect spot is a little cut that he's going to go into for 30 seconds or a minute. Yeah. A little tiny cut. You know, it doesn't, well, you just maybe gla- that is the perfect spot. Well, or if, you're, if you're glassing them, you think about how many times you glass in like two or three rams. How many times they are they totally out of sight for minutes or whatever, or yeah. you know, then they pop back out? Yeah. You know? So I guess at least the impression I get is like the, you know, the perfect spot may not, it may be just the one little spot that you're there for and can yeah. can close that distance quick. You on Kodiak quite a bit. I have hunted Kodiak quite a lot, yeah. What do, you, what do you think about that? I love Kodiak. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. It's a bow hunter's paradise. Absolutely. Yeah, when the, that, was that your first goat with a bow that you were tell, showing us pictures of this morning? When you, <laughs> we don't have to go into detail yeah. about that, yeah. but, uh, yeah, yeah, 16 years old. So you, it's like you've been doing this for a while, hunting <laughs> <Yeah>. mountain critters <laughs> for a while. A week after my 16th birthday. And actually... I was still picking boogers and... <laughs> <laughs> I missed my first doll sheep with a bow when I was 15. Oh. And it took, I think I was 24 before I killed one with a bow. So it yeah. was 
not a short learning curve. It, but you had killed it, some rams with a rifle in in that period, too, yeah. So and, and guided a lot of them. Yeah. And I mean, when I back to the guiding sheep question, I, I did guide a lot of rams when I first started working. Sure. Working for Jeff, um, and now I mean that's not really my yep. position. I <laughs> fly and make sure everybody else is yeah where they need to be and with good good other qualified guides. But yeah, yeah, you got. I mean, it seems like you guys are doing really really well. Yeah, yeah. With that, speak. You know, were you was it? Weren't you saying when you were twenty? Or so was that that ram that double broom ram that the guy shot? That was a interesting story that the bear the grizzly bear oh, chased yeah. you off of. <laughs> yeah, most of the bear incidents I've have have been in or have had have been where you would not expect them. Huh? Yeah, had a bear steal a sheep from us. How did that shake out exactly? That's my cue to tell you to tell the story. <laughs> <laughs> I, Oh man, um, yeah, that was a long time ago. Um, had an older, older gentleman. Uh, I think he was in his mid or late seventies, and yeah. it was a horseback hunt. Uh, working for Jeff Burwell at the time, and we we rode horses in a day and climbed this mountain. You know, spent the whole day climbing mountain and peek up over and there was a nice double broom ram the hunter made a great shot on it but it was pretty steep rough getting down to it and uh, he didn't think he could make it to the sheep mm -hmm. but he wanted pictures with the sheep <laughs> so I was trying to think in my head all the how exactly that was going to yeah. work um, so I and we could see our so I walked him to where he could see the tents mm -hmm. and said, all right, well, you walk straight down to the tents, to the horses. I'll, I'll go take some pictures of the sheep. I'll gut the sheep. I'll roll him all the way to the bottom on the other side and we'll ride horses around tomorrow. Yeah. Um, so I stripped down to my long underwear and just took a aircraft radio because I knew Jeff would come check on us, make sure we we're doing good. Mm-hmm. And uh, left my rifle <laughs> at the top of the mountain because I didn't expect to be chased up by a grizzly bear. <laughs> um, and I took off, headed down the mountain, got to the ram, took a few pictures, gutted him, and was just kind of rolling him down the hill. And out of the corner of my eye, I see some movement, and there's a bear at 120 yards running right at me there's one little dip between us so i waited for him to go into that dip and i ran about 20 yards and jumped off a cliff about a 10 foot cliff into the shale so you, when you jump into shale it's not a big deal because it slides and, and that country was pretty good for that so i i'm just trying to break my scent trail is the only thing that quickly went through my mind so i'd run jump off this cliff and hide behind a rock and that bear comes right to the edge and looks down and he's only about 15 yards from me and he's looking down looking and then he turns and starts following the sheep because the sheep is yep. still rolling i pushed the sheep before i jumped yeah <laughs> <laughs> and he heads down after the sheep so then i'm 
wait for him to get out of sight and I'm climbing back up the hill and I hear Super Cubs so I tell Jeff on the radio hey well we we got a sheep but a bear took it and he says what I said yeah a freaking bear well the hunter has a bear tag I'm like yeah but the hunter's not here <laughs> what and I'm like it's a long story uh, he says all right so he flies over and he says well sure enough yeah that bear's on the sheep well where are you I said well I'm climbing back up the mountain my gun and my pack and everything's on top and he says well well, where are you now? I said, well, I'm by the orange rocks. He says, well, you better run. <laughs> like, oh, shoot. He said, that bear's coming up the mountain. So I'm running as fast as I can. I run the 500 yards or whatever to the top of the hill, and I jump from my gun, spin around, and there's no bear. <laughs> there. Jeff was probably laughing, flying all the way back to camp. And so I hike down. It's dark now, and go back down to the hunter. We get up early, and ride horses all the way around in the morning and that bear was laying on the sheet <laughs> still there got his grizzly bear too <laughs> well and that didn't you say it pretty much only wrecked the back straps and the cape huh yeah it it ate the back straps um and chewed up the back of the cape but well, everything else was was good horns were fine all four quarters and ribs and everything was still Still good, so. <laughs> Darn bears. You can't make that stuff up. Well, yeah, so, I mean, and you're, it's not like you're not dealing with bears all the time, you know, in the springtime especially. Mm-hmm. And you say, you, most, like you said, most of your, most of your bear encounters are like the, the notable ones are probably when you weren't expecting it, huh? Yeah. Yeah, when you don't think you need a gun. <laughs> yeah. on top of a mountain up in a shale slide you wouldn't expect to be chased by a grizzly bear no that's about the last thing i mean i don't it's super rare to even see them up that high usually in this unless they're just traveling i mean wolverines you see all the time up there you never know <laughs> <laughs> what well, so this year you you got a little bit different thing going on you got you're taking some moose hunters so sheep first yeah people with grizzly bears uh, well we bought a lodge this spring um it's right in the area we've been sheep hunting the last 10 years bought out another outfitter and he had probably the best logistics in the brooks range it's sure gonna Uh, help you so it's a big game changer for us um and will be for a long time but uh so we're gonna jump into moose i haven't been doing much for moose in the past few years uh yeah a lot of it was because of logistics uh with just tent camp and being that far north in yep. in september and the other part was uh the other, the other outfitter was <laughs> up there moose hunting yeah which is who we bought out and and yeah i had a lot of elk <laughs> preference points in a lot of states yeah. so I've been on a little bit of an elk hunt. That's that's another interesting thing. Like <clears throat> all the fun stuff we have to do up here, and you you still say that elk are your favorite, which and that's favorite. not totally. Yeah, you. Yeah, come on. I, <laughs> sheep are my favorite. Yeah, of course they are, but they're not. You, you, elk hunting, bow hunting, elk is probably the most enjoyable, exciting 
hunting I've ever done, um, just because they're bugling and crazy and fun. And <laughs> yeah, what was you it last? A lot of elk too. Yeah, was it last year? I don't think of someone. Was it last year you killed a really big one that you hunted like twenty five days for or something like that? So it was only twelve days. Twelve days, but yeah. A lot of big elk. Yeah, I do like. That. <laughs> <laughs> well, that and coos deer too. Yeah, coos deer. You, Jonah, pretty much hunts everything. Um, for, I don't know. I don't know. A, you know. a lot of that falls. I, I I don't get to hunt Alaska like I would like to hunt Alaska because I'm an outfitter. Yeah. So I spend ninety percent of the good hunting season in Alaska taking other people hunting, which. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that just as much. So I have to find, you know, <laughs> try to go sheep hunting one or two or three days a year if I'm yeah. lucky. Um, if I get a day, I'll I'll go hunt whatever I can. I mean, caribou, moose, bears, whatever. If I have a day, I'm going to try to go hunting something somewhere. I don't really care what it is, um, but I don't get a lot of those days. No just a few a year so i have to look look at alternate <laughs> yeah alternate things and and that's it it really is the way you have it set up though uh, i mean you get to do a little bit of alaska hunting in between your guiding season or right at the end of it uh and then you know the lower 48 is just starting to get really good by the time you're done up here so yeah. you get the tail end of the elk rut you get the mule deer rut uh, and then you can, you know, go into the, you know, coos deer stuff a little bit later. Yeah. So you, you got a lot of stuff that you are able to do. Um, and if you make the most of it up here before you go, I bet like all the weights off your shoulders when you go down there. And it's just like, cause you're there at prime time, really. I, I counted it up not too long ago. I, I spent over a hundred days hunting for myself last winter. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> that didn't include my wife's hunts or any guiding or anything else. That was just myself and. Only about three of those were in Alaska. Yeah. But um, three or so, four maybe. Okay, so let's say you hunted four days in Alaska last year. I know what you killed in those four days, but, uh, I mean. Um, like last fall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I killed a sheep. Uh, uh, just a 41-inch ram or so. Yeah. Yeah. Nice ram. <laughs> uh, grizzly <With> bear. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nice grizzly, grizzly bear. bear with not his bow, his, his oh, friend's with bow. My friend's bow. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, big caribou. Yeah, and just a few days of hunting. Yeah, and three days. Yeah, and that's what a plane will do. Right? That's <laughs> what I call the Alaska plan. Yeah, <laughs> I want to kill something every day that we hunt, yeah. and I'm not counting weather days because Alaska, a lot of it is logistics. Yeah, I mean, it, so if I have one day to hunt it. You know, obviously, you got to fly in the day before that, and a lot of the time you're flying out the day after that. Mm-hmm. So it might take three days for one yeah. one day of hunting, but you don't want to waste those days. A couple no. of years, a couple of years ago, a buddy of mine and I went up and stopped by Jonah and said hi and stuff, and then we went up and caribou hunting, and we came back the next day, and I had a nice, nice big bull, and buddy shot a nice bull, and. So we, you know, hung out for a day or whatever, and then we left and uh, came back up the next weekend. And Jonah's got a giant bull sitting there, you know, and 
first thing out of his mouth, he's like, if Nick can shoot a 400-inch bow in one day, I can shoot one in six hours. (laughs) 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 He he went up and, uh, you know, it was funny because that particular hunt, I had two friends that were hunting at the same time, and they they were watching that bull, but they didn't they didn't have the means to get to him. And uh, I guess you you might have asked them like, hey, you know, uh, yeah, what are you guys doing or whatever? And they didn't they like, well, we can't go after him or whatever. And you went down there, and they had to watch you kill him. And he was a big bull too. That was yeah. a good bull. That's funny shit. Yeah, he was. <laughs> he was in the wide open, um, but. He was watching. He kept turning and looking. All the caribou were feeding one direction, but he yeah. kept turning around and looking. And he was watching one cow, and she was about five, six hundred yards away from all the rest of them by herself. Yep. And she was going the opposite way of all the rest of the caribou where they were naturally feeding. And he kept turning around and looking and watching her. And there was kind of a ditch. It wasn't real deep, maybe 18 inches, with, but then it had some grass growing out of it. So you actually had cover, two feet of cover, uh, enough to crawl behind, straight between him and that cow. And the wind was decent for it. And even though he was feeding the other way, and he was still you know, actively getting farther away from her, but he kept turning around and watching. And I thought, man, I just, I can't kill him going the other, I'm not going to get in front of him, it's wide open. I might as well at least get down there, crawl out there half a mile and get between him and that cow because he's looking at her for something. Either, he either wants her to come with the group or he's going to turn around and go follow her for some reason. And so I belly crawled out there and just sitting there not thinking much of it and it was a few hundred yards from him and he turned around and I just was just trying to keep direct straight line between him sure and that cow and he turned around and he just started walking and he walked right to me i shot him at 30 yards <laughs> and he just picked his head up and beeline started walking right to well me. and it's weird i mean the time you know times i've seen like well the caribou i shot with my rifle last year it's just like think they might well and that was a different situation <laughs> but similar because i'm like you know all right we think this is really the only good option to cut them off, and I think they're probably they might come this way, but it's like they'll be milling around, milling around, and then they pick a direction and just go, and they're moving. Do you yeah. think that was maybe like one of the like a lead cow or something in that herd? And th- did the rest of the group follow too? They like did. Behind yeah. him? As soon as he turned and started walking, all of them shifted and started. <laughs> Makes sense why he was watching her then. But, That's the way he knew to go. Yeah. Yeah. I knew it couldn't hurt anything. I mean, it was yeah. definitely a better option than sitting at the truck. Yeah, get you in the game at, at a minimum, you know. So Yeah, well, I mean, all that stuff is, you know, whether it's caribou or sheep on it, it just makes me think of all the potential opportunities, you know, I, you, me, we people miss by, like, deciding, uh, well, that's probably not going to work. So not even going to try mm-hmm. anything. You know what I mean? I mean, how, like, that happens. Know, obviously, you don't know, like, a number, but, like, I'm, you know, I would imagine you probably have had quite a few, killed quite a few animals by just being like, well, I'm going to try this, even though it probably, you know, yeah. it, it probably won't pan out the way I want it to, and it ends up doing that, just because, you know, like you said, I'm not going to cut them off this way, but it's not going to hurt to do this just in case they do that, you know, 
Yeah, we had a guy in brown bear camp one year on Kodiak, and he every time we saw a bear, you know, he he'd be like, "Oh, it's not, it's, we, you know, we can't we can't go after him. There's no way we're going to get to him. Whatever." Well, you know, you're there for 15 days. By about day eight, you know, I, I had enough of that. Like, we're, we, I mean, I don't care anymore what you think. Like, I need to, like, we need to start going after some of these bears because they surely not going to stay around the whole time. Yeah, and it was more fun going after them and trying to get in bow range. And yeah, you you might mess up a stock here and there or whatever, but at least you're you're doing something. You're 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 putting yourself in the game. You're not sitting there watching, waiting for the perfect opportunity. Because how many yeah. times does the perfect opportunity present itself? without you doing something, you know, to, to get yourself there. And if you're not close, I mean, to, you're, I mean you're, if you're a half a mile away yeah, and an animal goes into a, the perfect spot, <laughs> he's not going to be there by the time you get there. Not likely. Absolutely. And yeah. uh, I mean, it's probably not all that common that the lone ram is going to bed under a giant rock that sneak up you over can the walk top that you can walk right up behind him <laughs> you not know. often you do have a pretty good understanding of what those sheep in in the area up there do i, I you absolutely do no doubt about it so you're you're able to probably pick apart a situation a hell of a lot better than somebody that you know maybe hunts up there for a week a year or whatever it might be or first time in a new area oh for sure yeah i mean well even even just you mentioning even you (laughs) mentioning like it you know not even messing with them in the morning because the therm you know the thermals haven't switched yet and you know, have you ever tried, uh, well, I mean, your thermals are kind of switching back going down at night, but have you ever tried, like, actively trying to get closer to them, you know, in that, like, not, it's not dark, dark, but it seems like, I don't know, seems like to me, and we've killed several with a rifle that they just don't, like, either pay attention or see as well when it gets, like, that real twilighty dark that it can yeah. get up there, especially, like, end of August. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that can work for sure. Um, I mean, but you'd have to watch the, the bow hunting thermals. Is tough because, because, but also a lot of the time in the evening, especially later in the year, their rams are getting down into the bushes. And yeah. I mean, when the leaves start changing colors, then those rams don't have a place to hide. Yeah, well, they're, they're eating <laughs> the leaves. Yeah. They love eating the leaves off the. I don't know what that little brush is. Once they start changing colors? Yeah, so l- that later in the season, which, I mean, that's awesome for a bow hunter. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, uh, well, me and Frank one time seen him, you know, watching one of those rams like, I ended up killing, eating, just watching them eating mushrooms. Like, it's just <laughs> weird, the stuff that they eat, like, literally, like, them big old, just I'd rip them out of the ground and probably a sweet little treat. <laughs> they don't probably yeah. get that very often. <laughs> yeah, it was a. I don't know if it was just there that there was a bunch of them growing, but sure, like they just rip up. You see them chomping and falling out. That was in a ram that I had had to wait. Well, it was a extenuating circumstances. <laughs> he he was in a spot where you could, in theory, get around and shoot him, but. Like we, well, the first time I heard a caribou, I was telling you, came up over and spooked him from underneath us and then bedded down right in the only spot we could go out of sight to get above him. And then 
the next time, I think, that when they decided to go out over there and then bedded down, we were stuck in the middle of the open hillside and had to lay there for a few hours and or the rest of the day, basically, and not move because they're just right across the bowl from us. Yeah. So, but, what are, Jonah? What are your like? What are your goals for with regards to bow hunting? What do you like? What what like long term? Like, what do you want to do? Do you just, you want to just hunt everything you possibly can every year? Yeah, I mean. Like, what do you, what keeps you up at night? Like, you know, keep, what keeps you going? What, what do you think about, you know? I have a lot of goals. Um, I, I'm not, I don't find myself to be quite as, some of my goals seem less important right now than they were four or five years ago. Uh, you know, I got two little boys and another one on the way and, and just, you know, changing family and all that mm-hmm. type of thing. So, the, I was pursuing the Super Slam fairly hard for a number of years and plugging away pretty good on it. Um, in the last couple of years, we decided to do more family-friendly hunts because I got two boys that are saying, "Dad, why why aren't you not? Why don't I get to go elk hunting? Why? Yeah, you know, I want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so we still get a lot of hunting in, but not necessarily." Uh, some of the things that seemed important a few years ago, uh, some of the bigger hunts just right now aren't. Just take the back burner. Um, <clears throat> because I'd rather, sp- I still want to hunt a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just am trying to combine that with being able to. You've got the majority of it taken care of at this point. And a lot of the harder stuff and uh, certainly the animals, well, aside from a few, certainly the species that are rising drastically in cost annually, um, woodland caribou being one of them, uh, tule elk is going up like ridiculous every year, you know, and I, th- you know, Quebec Labrador caribou, you, you were able to take one of them before they, before they close it down. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of species out there where I, you know, somebody that is passionate about, you know, is getting a super slam or, or hunting as many of them as you possibly can, uh, you have to take that into consideration too and it sounds it's kind of it looks like you did that you know before you decided hey you know i need to take a little break for a bit take my sons out and you know do more family hunts so that was smart yeah <laughs> uh, some of the stuff i got left expensive um so that's i mean got a grown business and growing sure. family so it's hard to go well, spend <laughs> thirty forty thousand dollars to go on one hunting trip and yeah there's certainly a few species that the price is not ever going to be reasonable whatsoever. Yeah. Um, but for the, for the other, you know, there, there's five or six species that it just seems the cost just keeps yeah. getting worse and worse and worse. And if you don't take advantage of it when you did, mm-hmm. you know, for instance, when we booked Woodland Caribou, what, four years ago, you know, seven grand or whatever it was. Yeah. And now I'm, I'm seeing prices for 12, 13, you know, a six thousand dollar trophy fee on top of you know nine yep. grand for the hunt and whatever. So for a stinky old caribou, yeah. <laughs> you know. So certainly, a, a, I think, and you might agree that you know, with regards to Super Slam, it, it's it, the the folks that do have it now or got it, you know, ten fifteen years ago. They, while the cost of money does go up after time or whatever, um, they certainly had a, a better opportunity then with regards to the prices and inflation. I, I know a couple of guys that went to Newfoundland in the, in the nineties, they were, you know, it was a $2,000 caribou hunt, 1800 yeah. bucks, you know, whatever, you know, and that, that prices went up, you know, tenfold since then. Yeah. It's nuts. 
it's absolutely nuts He's, i'm always looking for like you know how can i get a a, a cheaper species you know or whatever a hunt for for a species i don't have and man the you run out of them real quick. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a fact. And then, I mean, for me being an outfitter too, you know, working all August and September, the handful of animals I have left are they're all in that same time frame, and I miss ninety nine percent of that time frame. Yeah. So, I mean, I can squeak in some hunting. October yeah. is kind of my real time to hunt, but can't hunt everything <laughs> what do you got left in october expensive ones expensive ones <laughs> um still need three of the sheep polar bear uh, roosevelt elk two caribou yeah mountain caribou two moose uh central canada caribou shires moose and canada moose yeah so still quite a few left Quite a few, but uh, a lot of uh, you, you're certainly gonna hopefully someday by God's grace you'll draw a desert bighorn sheep tag because you got Lord knows you play the point game like like anybody I've ever met, um, and then uh, you know Shiras moose I'm sure you got tons of points for those in, in several states. Um, you notice I'm not saying much right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Canadian moose, uh, fortunately, that's not a real expensive hunt unless you're looking for a giant, and so you probably will. Uh, pay a lot because that's what you're going to want <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, the other stuff is just going to be expensive plain and simple the central canadian uh barren ground or whatever central barren ground caribou you know those hunts are getting risky too you know there's a lot of ups and downs with normal yeah. places to go but roosevelt elk I, I can't believe you haven't killed one in alaska yet was it there are not many people that have killed every species in the state and uh know what you're one animal away you might as well go do it (laughs) put it on the list yeah well that's like isn't that october when a lot of those draw fog neck with a registration permit you could probably uh probably draw southeast you know not not easy but fairly easy or draw a tag on a fog neck as well but i've applied for a fog neck for 20 years and haven't drawn it yet yeah how do the, how do the how do the yeah how drawn. do the draws teach treat you typically not very good <laughs> me neither i mean except with, yeah. with the exception of last year that's basically the only like yeah like yeah i killed it this year there, there's two in my opinion difficult species to get in this state and that's muskox and bison and there are ways to do both of them and jonah figured it out a couple other people figured it out but um when when you think about all the state has to offer and everything like that, a lot you know a lot of times elk, you know, it kind of. Well, you figured it out too. Just get your checkbook out. <laughs> <laughs> That's no different than the way Jonah figured it out. But uh, when it when it comes down to the the elk in the state, I mean, we were all thinking, hey, I'd love to shoot a Roosevelt elk, but I also don't know that I want to give up the hunting at that time of year doing something else. You know, to go. What down a there problem to have, right? Well, yeah, it's a terrible problem. <laughs> Yeah, they've been taking some nice elk on a fog neck the last couple of years. I mean, yeah. I mean not you know, overall, but you know, there's a couple of nice bulls each year coming out of there. Yeah, no, it's definitely doable. Yeah. It's on the list. Be it's fun. Hard to hunt everything every year. <laughs> I try. Yeah. See, well, now what? You, what a guy like Jonah needs to do is get his get a mule deer in Alaska. Yeah, good point. This would be the first year you'd be able to do it. Legally, legally. yeah. 
Oh yeah, they opened, yeah. No, they... no close season. Mule deer, whitetail. I, they've been seeing mule deer and whitetail. No, I don't know if they're I, the one. The one that I saw was a mule deer, and it was near Isleson Air Force Base. And then there's uh, been some other spotted near Delta. There was a little buck got hit mm-hmm. right in the same area, just right outside of Fairbanks. There's been some up the Steese scene, like photographed. Like they're they're like it's a real thing. Well, there's, you see a lot of them by Haynes Junction driving through. I mean, I drive through Canada yeah. every year, and there's. I, I think a lot of I think there. they just opened it up to Unit Twenty. Um, I could I could be totally wrong on that. I remember listening to the Board of Game, um, I guess, conversation about it last March, and uh, yeah, they they it's no close season, and if you if you see one, you just gotta do your best to get all of it to fishing game, but you can shoot it. I'll be darned. Yeah. Pretty crazy, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. A friend of mine had a bison tag last year in Delta, and when he was out there in July, in August, like just driving around, getting used to the area and figuring it out, he saw some mule deer too. So hmm. yeah. that's pretty cool. Good reason to bring your rifle with you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if that'd be as cool as it'd be to shoot one with a bow, it'd be even cooler. To, I mean, is that like messed up just to want to shoot one to be the first guy to no, I, shoot one in Alaska? <laughs> you got to believe it's going to happen soon. Yeah. Uh, the, the, where we had seen him um, oh, well, now years the, ago. Now that the leash has been yeah, snapped. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> where we seen him a few years ago. I don't know what the uh, law would be on it because it's on, it's on Allison property. So I don't know if you... Uh, you you got to go through, jump through a bunch of hoops to even hunt on Isles, and I've never even th- thought about trying to do it. You know all that stuff back behind there, and um, you got to take a class. You got to be certified for the state and for the base. You know, with a bow, you know, it's pretty pretty cumbersome. I think it's ridiculous. And was it just deer? Or did they do anything with mountain lion too? I don't. They didn't say nothing about mountain lion. No, it's. I don't even know. Because wasn't a few years ago, a guy in Willow down here killed one. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, you always hear rumors of people like even my dad said when he was a kid, like my grandpa, who my grandpa who grew up in the mountains in Colorado, like up my you know up the Steese or somewhere when they got a skiff of snow or something that said like said they cut and he was sure they were lion tracks. They they saw a deer. um, I talked to a guy one time this summer too. Somebody saw one out there, which is odd. I've heard weird stories about seeing species where they shouldn't be several times. A, like Todd Shoemaker was telling us that they saw an elk on Carlock Lake. I saw the video of that. Yeah. So I saw it. Like that was that was legitimate. Okay. And then uh, I mean, it's well, not, and there was another impossible. guy. It's like a guy, you know, a buddy of a buddy saw one that uh, swears up and was from like the Midwest. Like swears up and down, white-tailed deer ran across the road in front of him, like down by anderson could be i mean or i guess from here it's up by anderson could have been a small caribou too but who knows right I mean, even then like it would almost like as likely be a deer as a caribou <laughs> right there i suppose we saw elk tracks on prince of wales that's not totally you know uh, unheard of but we did yep. see him jim treeman and i who you hunted woodlands yep. with um there's just weird shit happens all over the place i guess yeah so yeah, that needs to be a thing for you, I think. Like you're you're the right kind of guy. <laughs> I'd like to be the right kind of guy, but it probably, shit probably ain't gonna happen that way. I'm waiting for that hot tip to roll. <laughs> I'll be damned. I have wasted a little bit of time thinking about how 
I think if you so everyone that I've heard of being seen aside from the one from Minto was uh, from a vehicle. So if you want to do it, you probably just drive around a lot and find one. I don't know. I could get with that program. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't heard anything about it. Yeah, it's in the reg book and everything. They that just was printed. You probably read that cover to cover and missed it. Yeah. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. You pretty excited to get into the moose hunting up there? Yeah, it'll be awesome. It's uh It looks like really good. You'll have to let me know if you decide to ever do any like drop camp stuff. Yeah. I promise I won't like I'll sign a take him in blindfolded, take <laughs> blindfolded, his GPS away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, Wipe no. all the maps off the GPS where it's just the arrow and you don't know where you're at. <laughs> like the old, those old E-Treks or whatever. So to do drop-offs, I mean, I think the reason why you don't mostly, mostly is because you need the transporter license or is there some conflict with, um, you, with, with, you know, your guided clients or whatever, or you, more more concerned with um i guess managing the guide use area that you do have to you know work for years and years and years without taking extra people or you know all of the above yeah well yeah, yeah. I, mean, I could see there'd be a lot of pieces well and it's not like you you're start not busy with you start you doing drops as as well you're you know as much as everybody swears up and down that they'll never tell a soul like you start dropping it's you know you got to look after your interest you know you start dropping like a bunch of people that live here in areas that you're also trying to guide in, then eventually someone's going to have get the buddy with an airplane to just go yeah. hunt, you know, kind of. Fair point. Yeah, and I like I like doing guided hunts. I'm a guide. I'm not a, I mean, I, I didn't learn to fly because I love to fly. I learned to fly because I love to hunt. Yeah. Right. To me, a super cub, and as I love flying, and I love flying a super cub, especially. But it, uh, I haven't I flown did it a lot because yeah. I love Alaska, and I want to. Yeah. Yeah. I want to be able to access Alaska, and I don't necessarily <laughs> just want to be flying people all over. Yeah. I, I want to. I like taking hunters and talking to guys for years and helping them plan their hunt and put it all together, and yeah. It's a lot of the guys that you get, you know, for sheep and stuff like that. They they book several years out, and you know they they have all that time to think about it and get all hyped up and anticipate it. Which I I mean, even I'm sure you do if you have a hunt booked, like you anticipate it and it's exciting, and then hunts over before you even know it. You know, you get there and you're done. You know, that ten days goes by pretty damn quick. Even shit, it goes by so fast. Like where, then the yeah planning that and anticipating it though i mean that's a that's a lot of it you know yeah it is a lot of the fun (laughs) what go ahead i was just gonna say yeah it does go fast thanks by real quick every year i mean even our own personal hunts that we anticipate you know they're all of a sudden they're here and then you're three or four days into it, and you're whatever, you know, however long you're going, and it's fucking, it's done before you know it. It goes yeah. by quick. It goes by real quick. Yeah, what were you going to say? I forgot. I don't, forgot. Need to have another beer. <laughs> Ooh. What do you, what, what do you, what are your hobbies besides hunting? Do you have anything, <laughs> any, any at all? Um, I used to, but not, not so much anymore. Um, 
I mean, I, I loved sports growing up, loved wrestling and hockey and skiing, snowboarding, and uh, pretty much gave all that up because, I mean, I'm kind of, I'm goal-oriented, and I, I like to have something to achieve at it. But I, I've also... I've always wanted to explore and bow hunting kind of to me, North America bow hunting in specific because I can, and I know what the trophy potential is of an animal. I know and understand the region of where they live. And, and I don't, so a big part of it for me is getting to hunt specific animals and big animals mostly in specific regions and places. So, it's it, it's interesting not interesting really it's a, it's actually common a lot of people that i know that are super driven and love hunting they have given up all their hobbies and i had a years ago when i was young in the air force i had a, a friend of mine still a good friend of mine we don't talk near as much as we used to because we moved away and whatever but you know i we started hunting whitetails together which doesn't take a, a whole lot of effort i mean compared to some of the other stuff i've done since but uh, I went to his storage. He, he he wasn't he wasn't the best hunter. Let's just put it that way. And I, I he wanted to do it and everything, and and he'd give it his best effort and whatnot. But I went to his storage unit one time, and he opened it up, and in the storage unit he had fly rods, he had golf clubs, he had a motorcycle, he had a dirt bike, he had tennis rackets, he had every little hobby you could possibly imagine. He had it all. And, uh, and he'd go and he'd spend time doing all that stuff or whatever. And I just thought to myself, you're trying to do all of it. You're not going to be good at any of it yeah. because you're, you're, you, you only have so much time and how, you can't learn how to do everything really, really, really well. And I think that was the turning point for me. I'm just like, you know, I, I, I think that if I want to hunt, I, it, it's best to just focus on that and kind of give up all your other hobbies. Well, that, so, well cause you like golfing, didn't you? I used to golf a lot. I I golfed like one time in my life and it took me like yeah. four tries to hit the freaking ball off the tee. And I said, this is yeah. not for me. Yeah. Maybe a little putt putt every now and then. Golfed but. a lot. I loved playing basketball. I, lo- I uh, played Air Force level softball for a while. Um, I, I, I had lots of hobbies. What uh, does Air sorts. Force level softball mean? We traveled around playing softball. They paid us to go on Man. TDYs to play softball tournaments. And uh, we were really good. It was fun. And a good group of guys. But uh, it took up my time from Scott and whitetails and planting food plots and doing all the stuff that I love to do, running trail cameras. Uh, after two years, yeah, I think I did it for three years. After that, I was just like, you know, I, I need to cut all that shit out and just focus on hunting. What and position? I played. Uh, I played shortstop. I played outfield. Yeah. So it was fun. Uh, don't get me wrong, but I, I the truly the turning point was seeing my good friend. You know, like he's trying to do so much. You can't do it all. Yeah. You can't. Yeah, no, that's a good, I mean, that's an important point. I mean, it makes me think, yeah, pretty much like that. I mean, I've all, I've always been into some sort of competitive, sh- I mean, the past yeah. couple of years that, since I had kids that I, I hadn't been shooting 3D much at all. 
I think this is the first 3D course I've shot in but your two or ser- three years. Your service rifle, uh, like your addiction to that, and your well, service your- rifle, competitive hang it, all that competitive shooting does kind of like go back yep, to hunting type skills. That's what I was going to say. Be. At least you're not taking like a step backwards by doing it. It is it is helping you when it when it comes time to hunting. But there, there's so much involved with. Uh, planning a good hunt and and then being successful that uh if you're wasting time doing other stuff you can't really focus on that and it, it truthfully all the successful hunters that we know do i don't know that they do anything else do, i don't they might go fishing for a few days yeah. or whatever but aside Not from much. that like <laughs> they really don't so no yeah that's pretty significant it's i mean now that you mention it you know it's like oh well a guy well, you know, you fly and spend all this time, you know, working on this other stuff. Everything's like <laughs> supporting the main habit. <laughs> right. I mean, you think about all the successful hunters that you know, and we know several. We know more than several. We know probably 50, 100, whatever it is, that are truly dedicated to hunting. I, you know, they might do something for a little bit in the winter or something else, or they might like fishing. But when it comes down to it, a lot of those guys are just, they're driven. They're That's all yeah. they think about. It's what keeps me up at night. Yeah, me too. <laughs> well, and you say what keeps you up at night. Like, truly do. You know, truly sometimes does. like some people might not understand, but it's like, yeah, like literally you lay in bed at night. Like, what do you think? What are you thinking about when you go to sleep? And that's every single night. Yes. And that's. <laughs> Jonah's worried about how he's going to fit 60 cases of Mountain House in the yeah. trailer. But, uh, <laughs> but I'm sure he's thinking about hunting too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's nuts. I, I mean, now I'm like trying to rack my brain thinking of like, what the hell kind of hobby? Like, would, <laughs> what can I, you I can't, I can't think of anything that I'm interested in, like even remotely interested in. Yeah, it's true. That doesn't have to do or support like hunting or hunting skill or. I don't know many people with a lot of hobbies that are good at all of them. I don't know that, you know, people like. All sorts of shit. I know fishermen that are absolutely dedicated to fishing. That's all they think about, and they're they're real good at it. They don't they don't do anything else, you know. Yeah. And I'm not saying like you can't be athletic and good at you know playing a pickup game of basketball or maybe you know throwing a baseball or whatever it is. Like you can, it's like that stuff's kind of like riding a bike or, or wrestling or whatever. Like you don't ever lose that. But all the other little shit that people do, you know, they like going kayaking or they like going hiking or all this stuff like. You know, you can't really, really do all that and focus on, uh, on all of it at once. Too freaking ki- like, why would I ever want to go kayaking? I got a of, riverboat. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm just thinking of other hobbies that people do up here, you know. And the, the well, it, bo- it boils back down to like, what the hell are you doing here? You know, if you're not <laughs> into this kind of stuff, it yeah. just do- doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, that's a fact. I mean. There's a reason I like, I mean, and I like the winters too, because there's fun shit to do in the winters, trapping and, I mean. Hunting, (laughs) trapping, hunting, Trapping, hunting, you know, I mean, if you're into, I guess if you're into like mountain sled riding, that's a whole. You got a couple months to do that. Another level of crazy there, but. (laughs) Yeah. So like, what, no, what, like, what, like, I, what do people do? What do normal people do for fun? <laughs> Man. I, I just, I don't get it. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, you're probably, you're the same way. You're the same way. Well, when you think about what Fairbanks has to offer, they have all sorts of like little 
you know, like little onesie twosie things, but it really like all who, like it, who cares? I, it's yeah, I know. <laughs> I, and, you know what I mean? Yeah, there's definitely better places to live than Alaska if you're not the outdoors. Yeah, person. Yeah. Well, I mean, and there's no reason to live in Fairbanks if you're not like if you're just like a fishing nut. That's not the place to live. That's not no. the place. No, hell no. Down here, you go close to the. This is really bo- It's bothering me how much like I my. <laughs> Brain's churning on this now. <laughs> there, there is not a whole lot of other things to do. I'm sure there's just a list of thousands of things to do, but but they all involve like little like little day things, like you know, like going to like a festival or or going out to eat or you know I'm naming super like going basic out to shit. eat. That's exactly. your hobby. <laughs> people do. Yeah, people like look forward to that. I don't know, but. There's there's not a whole lot of st- stuff to do. People go biking. People go walking. People go you know hiking. They wh- what else is there? They do yoga. They work out. Well, wh- there's I mean, not a whole hell of a lot of shit to do, aside from like the outdoor stuff. But they stay busy doing it. Whatever it is. Oh yeah, they do. You know, there's dog mushing, I guess, and uh, uh, you know there's a lot of you know shoveling shit. Shoveling shit. Yeah, that gets pretty competitive, but. I don't get well, it. if you're in the right circle, sure. I mean, I but I get you know, like you said, I guess it boils down to whatever you're. If you're like, and anybody like even dog dog musher, like if you're like wanting to be the, yeah. You know, but we all know people in the lower forty eight that are the same. They're same as us. They they think about hunting all the time and they find a way to do it too. Yeah, you know. But yeah, I always. Thought I mean, I just. I guess I can't wrap my mind around like. I mean, unless you're like. On a super competitive level of golf, and maybe that's just well, my personal like. Maybe like, maybe normal people, maybe golf. normal people at us, like look at us and are like, you know, why the hell would you waste your time out like killing shit? But I guess ultimately, what but what it boils down to is what's like deeply satisfying to you. Sure. Yeah. Not to get too like <laughs> touchy feely or anything. So you're leaving in two days. Yeah, headed north. north here. Whole family gets to go up there for the whole sheep season. So, your son, both sons, have been up there every year since they've been born, basically, right yep. for sheep season. Yep, they've been to sheep camp every year. Yeah, Miles runs around and chases rabbits with his bow. <laughs> That's fun to watch. Yeah, you you got really lucky. You got two sons that are just incredible, um, and they get to they're lucky as well because they get to spend a, a majority of their time doing the stuff that you love to do and they're going to know nothing different and they're going to love it too. Yeah, they think that just flying around in an airplane and going hunting and fishing whenever you want. That's life. You got your float plane not not too long ago and you took miles out pike fishing, right? You was catching them off the floats. Yeah, and we've been flying out and landing on lakes and going swimming. And <laughs> it's been a pretty hot summer, so they've been liking that. It's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and they get to see uh, firsthand, like, what you do, you know, every day. And it won't be long, and they'll be helping you. Yeah, it better be. <laughs> you're going to need it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you keep, keep yeah, doing Yeah, work doing, is not optional. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's going to be great. I can't, it's not like, oh, I'm so so proud to see you grow up, son. It's like, I can't wait till you're this old so you can do this, this, and this, and this. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. Do you think things will change once they get like school? School, like, you know, they have to start going to school or 
still figuring all that out. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there'll be a lot of things that change. We won't be traveling all winter and doing that. Right. Um, I mean, that's part of why we've been traveling the last few years is... It might end here in a bit. Take yeah. advantage of it. When they go to school, yeah. that that's not an option anymore. Um, and we'll still get to go do some hunting and do some... Hunt a couple states a year and okay. focus more on Alaska. Yeah. Do some... Yeah. There's, there well, is now a you lot got of, lodge to run in the <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of later season hunting in Alaska. Conditions are tougher, but still available. Yep. Plenty to do up here. Sure. I'm not too worried about you not like figuring it out <laughs> and finding a way to be hunting all the time. <laughs> yeah. Cool. But yeah, man. Well, thanks for thanks for sitting down with us. It's been fun to pick your brain a little bit, and you know on and off mic to hopefully it's a little it's a little encouraging like to hear a different perspective and i mean i don't know anytime you get a guy i mean i know it probably feels normal to you but anytime you find someone that can like that consistently like it's it's ridiculous that's just like oh well just you know if i can get two or three days i'll go kill a sheep with my bow no big deal and it's not like you're shooting them at 120 yards or anything like that. No. You know, you, I don't know. I I want to kind of pay attention to <laughs> to what guys like you have to say about it. Um, yeah, you just Because it's just a whole other level that I'm kind of like walking into green now. I'm sure you'll do just fine. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if I don't shit my pants when I, <laughs> I said, if I, if I think if I can get, one good if i can get a good shot like a shot off that i feel really good about and i'm not going to shoot one that i'm like eh. right but then that's like that's a win you yeah. know we'll see what happens if i can hold it together but um Matt, it'll be fun it'll be fun it'll happen yeah yeah you just gotta go put the time in yep but anyway we'll i guess we'll go mosey on but uh yeah been good good staying with you definitely appreciate the hospitality so yeah thanks for coming down and having me on <laughs> yeah no problem man we'll have to do it again It'd be fun to catch up with you after the season before you you take off again so yeah sounds good all right well if you guys uh if you guys have any comments or questions you can email podcast at tundertalkak.com and uh if you enjoy the podcast if you want to leave a good review on itunes or whatever platform you listen on that does help so thank you